Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome to Working in Yoga. I am so incredibly glad you're here. This week on the podcast, I get to highlight someone from truly my favorite group of people, those who are committed to making change through the lens of a yoga professional. I feel like honestly, we need to make sure that we're highlighting the people that we are proud of in the yoga industry space. And my guest this week, Osiris Bouquet, is someone that I know we can be proud of. Osiris started an organization called Flow for Black Lives in Los Angeles a couple of years ago and was awarded with the SEVA Award in 2022 from the International Association of Yoga Therapists. I honestly really love what Osiris has to say about yoga not being prescriptive, and it is incredibly powerful that we say that over and over again in our yoga therapy communities especially as we see this huge influx of yoga for whatever, back pain, hip pain, mental health programs, blogs, podcasts, you name it. Osiris reminds us that yoga exists for yoga's sake and not as a band-aid to fix what ails us. Now, of course, before we head into the podcast interview, let me go ahead and ask you to please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast on whatever channel you get your podcasts from. If you're so moved, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review. And I really love being in conversation with yoga professionals. So go ahead and grab the link in my in the show notes for my newsletter. I send out weekly emails with my thoughts and notes about the new episode of the week when it drops. Without any further ado, here is my interview with Osiris Bouquet. Welcome, friends, to Working In. So this week, I have my friend Osiris on a podcast, and Osiris and I got connected. The yoga therapy community and the fact that we're both working in the nonprofit realm. And I am really excited for you all to listen to the amazing work that he's doing. You tell us all about yourself. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Peace to everyone listening. Peace to the ancestors. Thank you for bringing us here in this moment. My name is Osiris Bouquet, and I come from Los Angeles, California. Currently, my occupation is an internationally certified yoga therapist. I I really enjoy my job title. And that's actually how we got to meet, right, Rebecca? Because we have a program called Phoenix Rising that I think you were a part of as well, correct? So I am not a Phoenix Rising grad. But I have colleagues who were, and so I know a lot of Phoenix Rising folks. So, yes. 
Okay, yeah. So we're connected when the Phoenix rises. So yes. uh, Phoenix Rising is a yoga therapy school uh, focusing on Michael Lee's platform of the eight stages or the eight parts of the Phoenix Rising method and the six steps. And that takes us from concepts and themes like choice, awareness, acceptance, truth, all the way up to finding flow state. And so I've been embodying this experience um, maybe for the last 13 years now in my personal practice as a yogi and with Phoenix Rising for the last two years since 2020. How did you get to yoga? I got into yoga by way of my partner at the time's mother. She was an addiction trauma specialist who loved kundalini. And she brought me to a kundalini class um, with Guru Singh, actually, in Los Angeles at Yoga West. And it was definitely a trial by fire introduction, right? Literally trial by breath of fire, first time I'd ever done yoga. And it was actually the first thing I had ever experienced coming from a background as a track athlete they gave me the same internal impact and that rajas, that stirring fire, but without the high impact of concrete, asphalt, et cetera, on my knees. And so I was hooked from that point. That's awesome. So then how did you slide into the yoga therapy set? So my godmother and my god sister are both yogis. My godmother is from Hawaii. And that's, uh, she's part of the Parnell family from Boston, the Parnell Library and things like that. So they've always had access to different modalities of healing. And she's always supported my healing journey. And right when the pandemic started, she reached out to me and she suggested that I pick up something new during the pandemic. She almost had sort of a foresight on what was going to occur. And she's worked in the Phoenix Rising Method as a recipient and a client for about a decade now. So she introduced me. She suggested I check out Phoenix Rising. I sent them an email, let them know that I had been teaching for a little bit, reaching out to the POC and Black communities. And they were really, really welcoming, given the current political climate of 2020, right? Yeah. They were very online for me being a representative of the younger black millennial male community. And they very quickly offered me a scholarship opportunity for the work that I was doing in the community. And so I just followed the breadcrumbs and said, okay, my godmother sent me here, my fairy godmother, right? Yeah. It hasn't turned to a pumpkin. It's past 12 (laughs) o'clock. Let's get it going, right? Let's say yes, right? up and say yes and receive what's happening and so I did just that oh I love that story I didn't know that before this podcast I love that story because there's so I often say there are a lot of us in this industry like I came here by accident I came here by serendipity I came here because of a suggestion of somebody else that I somehow got here and in fact said no myself a couple times and I love this idea that you were just so welcoming to follow what you felt like was your path. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it, Rebecca. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey, and I, I wouldn't have been here in this conversation with you had I not followed the journey. So Yeah. 
So, okay, so you're working, you're a Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapist. How have you found the yoga therapy community in um, be, being a yoga therapist? Now, you're in L.A., so tell us about, a little bit about what it is to be a yoga professional in L.A., especially yoga therapist. Dominant amount of the people whom I interact with are not aware or educated about what a yoga therapist is. Yes. That is a phenomenon that I hope to change uh, because I consider it a phenomenon because of the circles that I'm in. Yeah. All the circles I'm in, we're aware of this not only cultural identity, but also career path, right? And I think there's something about being a yoga therapist that teeters the line between the two. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm not really interacting with many other yoga therapists, especially because there's not very many 30-year-old black male yoga therapists in the world. We, we ourselves, right? Sorry, yeah, yeah. And so I do have a lot of yoga teacher friends, and I have a lot of ceremonial facilitators that are in my community, and I have a lot of guides and guranderos or shamans in the west as we would call it and so coming from a background of medicinal community with yoga right um, the retreat background space i've come to recognize that the therapeutic aspect is actually what's lacking in los angeles is and likely the global wellness community because we're still trying so hard, and I say this here, let me explain. We're still trying so hard to go against the colonial Western medicinal framework that we end up still prescribing yoga. Ooh. Right. And the yoga therapy lens allows us to inquire deeper and invite the client to discover and heal themselves. Oh, that was so good. That is going to be the clip of this podcast. I want you to know right now. That was so good. It is really a challenge in the yoga therapy space in this prescriptive methodology that we use with yoga where it is not prescriptive. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for saying what you liked about it. I see that it moved you on yeah. a kinesthetic level. Oh, that was, oh, that's really good. I mean, I want to talk about more things, but I like need a pause for a second. How astute that was just so good for our industry. I hope folks out there listening really take in this idea that yoga is not prescriptive. And you're right, like us fighting that colonialist Western model has shifted us into a category that I also don't like. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're very welcome. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate it. So tell me a little bit more. So you and I have met and connected through Sitar in 2022. So tell me a little bit about that in Sitar. So I want to hear what Love that. happened. Love you friend that. So everybody's like, what's, if you don't know what Sitar is, Sitar is the IAYT's International Association of Yoga Therapists annual commencement ceremony where they invite many world-renowned speakers healers and integrative medicinal specialists to have a symposium of sorts 
and, and integrate uh, all the knowledge that has been accumulated throughout the last year. And I think they do it biannually, is that correct? But we, it's once, yeah, annually, and then there's a research symposium in the fall. Okay, awesome. So research symposium in the fall and then the annual Sitar convention. And so Sitar has uh, a reward or an award for high impact global contributors. And what that means in layman's terms is people who are making things happen on a large scale in the wellness community with the yoga therapeutic lens and scope. I took it upon myself to apply for the Sitar 2021-2022 award for global impactors and submitted the backstory of my organization, Flow for Black Lives. Now, Flow for Black Lives was born, its nascent stages erupted into the quantum sphere in 2020. Yeah. And it took off. We started as a Juneteenth commemoration. And we don't say celebration because Juneteenth, we shouldn't have to celebrate our independence. We commemorate the fact that it happened. And so it started off as a Juneteenth commemoration. And a lot of people came out. We got a lot of support from the black community and from a lot of allies. And so I myself with my good friends, Michael Tong from the Culture LP, the Culture LP in New York, and my sister, Cynthia, from the Woke Project, we decided to put something together regularly. So we started with a monthly offering and we were bringing about 50 to 70 people per class, occupying outdoor spaces as a form of peaceful protest getting people on their yoga mats and really healing not only the land that we were working on, right? Because this land is not really mm, revered the way it can be in North America still, mm -hmm. but also healing our souls and our connection to being able to take up public space without marching, without protesting, without being seen as rioters and looters. Right, it's hard to see black people doing yoga as looting. <laughs> so there's a paradigm shift that comes about when we offer these different perspectives, not only to the outside viewer, but to the inside eye, the in the internal eye, the small, the small S that doesn't need to be big, like, oh, I'm here, I occupy space. And so we got Flow for Black Lives really, really bustling, and we got it going for the last two years. We offered over about 200, 300 classes. In the last two years between online and in-person experiences we've worked with different community leaders and because of all that work right the ancestors said okay you you, you get to hang out and receive something <laughs> so they sent me the gift of not only the sitar award for top five global impactors with you rebecca which i'm so honored to be in this space with you but also a really nice gift of 20 mats, 20 yoga mats from Gaim uh, via Give Back Yoga Foundation. And so Flow for Black Lives just really, I, I saw how it was giving so much. And right when I started to feel depleted energetically and I put up some boundaries and said, okay, I can't do any more free classes. I, I have to change, change the format. Instantly spirit, great spirit was like, here you go. Like, Here's the nourishment you need. Here's the recognition you need. And so 
on a yoga level, and I'm going to break it down a little bit here because I'm going on a bit of a, a tangent, but I think it's very important. I heard a quote that said, it is just as egoic to act arrogant as it is to act overly humble. Mm. Yeah. This was a big checkpoint for me to work on receiving and being acknowledged in what I've done. And so it was, it was huge to be accepted into the International Association of Yoga Therapists with such wide arms on my first major yoga therapy project. It's amazing what you've done in the last two years. I didn't know those numbers before, over 200 classes that you've offered. That's incredible. And was it just you and your two other people in partnership, like the three of you offering these classes? Great question. It was just us three offering these classes. Both of them now have um, gone off in their starting families. We're still connected, but both of them had a, had a child in the last time. Yeah. So when they got pregnant, I decided to bring in some assistant teachers. So I have some friends, Enobi Nicole and R.C. Cunning, who are excellent teachers. I've also brought in um, Shani Marvelous, who's part of Hula Hoop Mommy. And so I brought in these different experiences of yoga, right, uh, for the community so that I didn't have to carry so much of the weight because what I recognized was I needed to switch into a bit of a logistical seat. Yes. Start putting together processes, start putting together templates, start putting together budgets for more curated experiences. And that was another big trust fit for me, right, um, to pass the baton and trust that it will be conducted not in the way that I do it, but better and different. Yes, leadership, when you slide into those leadership roles, I mean, I, I use the analogy oftentimes you're putting on clothes that don't feel like they quite fit right yet because you haven't like tailored them to how and who you are as a leader. And it is, it is difficult to do, especially as entrepreneurs and the people who start out First, like we're doing all the things. You're doing the emails, you're doing the coordination, you're letting everybody in on Zoom, and you're the amazing teacher. Like, it is difficult to pass that on, I think. Mm. It, it can be, and I experienced that. Thankfully, we were in the stage of Phoenix Rising where we were working on exploring our big professional edges. And I recognized one of mine was trust in the leadership container. So yeah. I mean, it all worked out. So in answer to your question, yes, I was working with just those two from the Culture LP and the Woke Project and then moved to have some assistant teachers underneath me. That is just a whole lot of yoga classes. I mean, in a, in a good time, in a good space when we aren't living under COVID conditions and being constantly challenged culturally with, with you know, essentially COVID and politics and everything that has happened for us in the last two years like to teach that many classes is in itself amazing. <sighs> yes. Luckily, I will tell you this. I had a practicum that I had to fulfill. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some incentive. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So if you're listening here and you're thinking to yourself, this sounds like an awesome project and I want to support flow for black lives. Tell our listeners how they can support you directly. You can support me directly by PayPal, Osiris at Osiris8.com, Cash App, dollar sign, pay Osiris, Venmo 
at Osiris8 underscore. These are all direct cash outlets. If you really want to sell me, you can I guess, DM me and get my phone number. That's fine. Um, those are not uh, write-offable donations, right? Those would just be your offerings to me. If you want to follow Flow for Black Lives on social media, you can follow on Instagram and TikTok, Flow for Black Lives. You can also, if you'd like to make a larger contribution within the next two weeks, um, well, there's no timeline on this right now if you're listening to the podcast, but you can email me directly at Osiris at OsirisState.com because I have partnered, I have fiscal partner, Quad Cities Yoga Foundation. Yes, thank you, Rebecca. (laughs) Um, Write-offable donations for an upcoming project and series. So like I said, you can find me on social media, Osiris8 or Flow for Black Lives. You can email me, Osiris at Osiris8.com. And then if you want to rewind and listen to the Cash App, PayPal, and Venmo options, those are available also. Okay. Where do you hope yoga and yoga therapy slides into in the next three to five years? I totally did not prep you for this question, but I am so interested in what your brain has come up with. Where do you think we're headed? I think we're headed to teaching elementary school students how to become more familiar with touch. I think a large part of why abuse happens on earth is because of neglect. I was listening to Dr. Gabor Gabor Mate speak about addiction and he says that the opposite of of addiction is not sobriety, it is connection. Yeah. And I think people are addicted to suffering, right? When we follow the Eightfold Path, we see that because of craving we suffer, but it is natural to crave connection. So where does that leave us? It leaves us in a position that we will cause harm in order to receive attention. And there's the African proverb that says, the prince who does not feel the warmth of the village as a boy will return and burn it down to feel the heat. And we see this as true. We see it in children who act out. We see it in adults who act in. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that if we can start to normalize touch therapeutic regulation, therapeutic alliance, and familiarity with collective accountability of emotional content within children, we can start to see a world that has the ability to say, hey, Rebecca, I think I'm having an edge right now. I don't really understand it. I don't need your feedback. Do you mind just guiding me through some breaths? If people are sovereign enough to regulate themselves, I think that yoga therapy, like we said, can become less of a practice and more of a culture. Ooh, we're stopping right there. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Osiris. It's truly an honor. I am so grateful that you said yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you to all you new followers for tapping in with me. I hope to work with you all in a private session soon. Make sure you check out Quad City Yoga's foundation and Sunlight Yoga with Rebecca. I love you all. Thank you. Thanks so much, Osiris. 
There are a few key takeaways that I want to highlight here. One is that yoga is not prescriptive. We need to address this idea that is so pervasive in blogs, YouTube videos, podcasts, and on social media. This idea that yoga can be for something, like yoga for back pain or yoga for hip pain. Yoga isn't a pill and shouldn't be treated like one. As Osiris points out so readily, the idea comes from a Western colonial mindset. Yoga is a holistic practice and always has been, and treating it as a pill or prescription is reductionist. It limits us as professionals and is also disrespectful to the practice. Especially if you are practicing as a yoga therapist, I would encourage you to contact your favorite doctors and explain this to them right away. Also, some of the most quote-unquote yoga-like projects out there are coming from folks who are committed to making impacts in their local communities. You might not always know who they are, but they are out there taking up space, connecting and sharing with people, and working to make a difference. If you know of folks that are out there doing this sort of work, honestly, I would love to highlight them, so please slide me a DM or send me an email. And finally, if you are interested in supporting Osiris' Osiris's work for Flow for Black Lives, a great way to do that is to go and study with him. He has a summertime project called Flow into Summer starting this May, and it all happens digitally. If you are keen, go register. You can get to that from our links in the show notes. You can also support by sharing this program with friends who might want to join. Thank you again, as always, for listening. And this is Rebecca reminding you that you are already amazing and go make an impact in your local community. I'll see you next week.